You made it. You know, thank you, worship team. I want to say thank you to our dream team who's been putting three services on for a lot of months to make sure that our, our city can have a place where they can corporately. Yeah, come on, give it up to the dream team. They're my heroes. And I'm their hero for preaching three times a Sunday. Come on, give me some love, menu church. Um, no, it's, it's our great pleasure to be able to serve our city and our great pleasure to be able to bring people to the Lord. God has, I, I don't, I know what your week is like. That's why I'm preaching the sermon. I know, I know you come in, you're bogged down, you're, you're, you're under it, but um, it, it is the anointing. The word of God says the anointing breaks the yoke, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. All you need is one word when your heavenly father comes into the room, one word and it changes everything. You speak a lot of words. You've heard a lot of words this week. Some of them have damaged you, but the Lord, our God is here and he's able to save you. He's able to heal you. He's able to restore you. Come on, say amen, Vinny Church. Um, I think we're going to go to two services in July, as long as it wasn't one of those like, hey, we're just kidding. We're going to go back into lockdown. Um, I don't think so. We're going to go to two services and pack some more bodies in the house if we can. And um, yeah, and, and to our online audience, um, if you haven't been to church since like all of this went down, uh, we miss you. And uh, we just want to say, hey, well, you know, welcome, welcome back. But you've been eating kind of digital meals on our online platforms and we're glad to be able to provide it for you but um, just keep in mind you're going to have some psychological barriers to overcome but as soon as you step into the house of god all of that will melt away i promise you like it has for us come on venue chair has it has the lord given you courage and has the lord protected your life from every destruction welcome to our series called the god complex the devil would be happy with anybody but god sitting on the throne of your life and whenever anything else is sitting on the throne of your life, including yourself, uh, it's a, a God with a little G that needs to come down. Because when God with a big G sits there, everything works out. I don't mean you won't have trouble in this world, but you get heaven in the end. And I'm going to tell you, when heaven breathes on your day-to-day -day life, moment by moment, there's nothing that can replace that. I'm going to show you the secret sauce today in the sermon about how we get heaven to breathe on our everyday decisions in life. Thank you, Sean. Um, the devil's objective is to get you thinking in terms of right and wrong. Now, this is going to sound like it, it's contradictory because shouldn't we be doing the right thing? Just give me a, a minute to expand on that. At, at the fall of mankind, I'm going to preach about that um, uh, next week, I think. But the fall of mankind, the devil trapped Adam and Eve. He got them off of God's path and got them onto their own path by getting them to think in terms of right and wrong. And if he can do that, then your life will be a fleshly one. And, and, and when you try to raise your kids or uh, go to work or, or figure out how to spend money, your life will be a fleshly one that, that you only get the rewards of the flesh of making good decisions as well as you can. But how many people know that you don't know everything? You can't predict everything. I mean, if 15 months hasn't taught us, you, you have no control. I have no control. And what you need is heaven to breathe on your life. And you need what I'm going to call today an uplink from, to the Holy Ghost to something that I call the Bluetooth setting of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. But if the devil can trap you into thinking right and wrong, today's sermon is called the right and wrong trap, then your life will be kind of cursed to live a, an existence only in the flesh, but heaven won't breathe on you. And today we're going to find out from the life of King Saul in the Bible. He was the king before David. Now, how many people know that if you're the king before David and then David comes along, that ain't nobody going to remember you. And Saul had some issues and whatever issues and whatever failure you have in your life this week that you're dealing with, 
uh, you're going to feel great about yourself after hearing about Saul's failure. How Saul in one day lost the kingdom. In one day of decision making, he got trapped into thinking uh, in, in areas of right and wrong. The devil trapped him. And in one day, he messed his entire life up and messed up the kingdom of Israel. And all you did was mess up your family. So just relax. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be like therapy together. All right. Aaron's normally the therapy person. I'm more, normally the surgeon. I'm really tricking you because it's going to be a little heart surgery this morning. And then uh, the Holy Ghost will be the therapist. And teach you how to walk again. And teach you how to walk in a way that heaven can breathe on you. Um, now, when I talk about right and wrong, sometimes we get wisdom and morality mixed up. I think that, that if COVID has shown us nothing, it's that we as a society have no idea what's, well, what's going on, I think. But see, there's right and wrong in areas of morality. And we said last week, whoever decides you're right and wrong is your God with a little G or a big G, depending on who it is. Now, your own brain can decide what's right and wrong for you. Some people read the Bible and then it filters through their brain and then they kind of take it and twist the Bible I'm a pastor. I've heard people like say a scripture verse and explain to me why they're now planning on doing the dumbest thing I've ever heard because this scripture told them to. And I'm like, that's not what that says. But see, there's a little God with a, a little G called their brain sitting on their, the, the throne of their lives that everything gets filtered through this thing called their own brain. Well, I don't know if you know this about your brain, but it was there every time you did anything stupid and it was in full agreement. In fact, it told you to. And you're like, that sounds like a good idea. And 10 minutes later, you're like, that was a terrible idea. And yet the next time in, you still trust your brain. I'm not talking about my own experience. I'm talking about other people. I've heard stories about <laughs> others. See, there's, there's wisdom and morality. Morality, you know, what's right for you is right for you. No matter, because when God decides morality, it's like the Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's never going to change that that's just a wrong thing to do. If we're talking about right and wrong, can we all agree? Like the 10 commandments are not 10 suggestions. Like in your circumstance, if it works out, um, it will, it will not work out if you disobey the 10 commandments, you know, there are commandments of God and issues of morality that are just not going to change. But then there are issues of wisdom and wisdom uh, issues like COVID was supposed to be a, a wisdom issue, but then certain forces and powers that be shifted it into a moral issue, which it never should have been because it's a sickness, right? And so, so a wisdom issue is one that you evaluate. So you can know that you got the right, you know, if you're working on a job, you know that you made the right wisdom decision after the fact, when you look back and you're like, oh, uh, here's the fruit on that tree. And then you know if you kind of got it right. Parents are very arrogant when their children are two because children, when they're two, they think that you're God. And you kind of like it sometimes until they're, you know, 16 and you find out, oh, the fruit on the tree, maybe I wasn't God. And maybe I didn't know. And maybe I should have got a little bit of help. Um, so there's the wisdom and, 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 and the devil wants you to mix up wisdom and morality. So when God says, hey, thou shalt not, then the devil wants you to start thinking about it. But, you know, when God says thou shalt not, just shall not. Like, just do not. You don't have to think or pray about it anymore. I see Christians all the time praying about things that God told them to do. Well, you don't have to pray about something you found in the Bible. Like, hey, should I sleep with somebody else's wife? You know, Lord, reveal it to me. What? God's like, what? Just read the Bible. You know, I was going to say read the dang Bible, but I don't think the Lord would say that about his Bible. <laughs> maybe he would. Maybe he would. I don't know. He was sarcastic in last week's sermon, if you'll recall. And I was vindicated. But then the devil wants you to take a wisdom issue and make it a moral issue. You know, you're arguing with your spouse about what color to paint the deck. And you think it should be blue and she thinks it should be pink. Well, there's definitely a wrong answer there. 
but it's a wisdom issue, you know? I decided when I was, uh, I decided that a burnt orange would be a good color to paint my garage floor. Now, maybe there's places where burnt orange works, but I painted our garage floor. And I was so confident of that that I painted our basement floor burnt orange too. And then, you know, when I wanted to put flooring down, I was told by the flooring people that that would bleed through my flooring. And so my dear friends, Sean and Nassia Gibson came over with razor blades and Aaron and I and them spent the night um, scraping orange, burnt orange paint off of the floor. Was it a terrible decision? Yes, it was. Was it a sinful decision? It only felt like it was a sinful decision at the time, but it wasn't. It was an issue of, uh, not an issue of morality, but a wisdom issue. Now, King Saul today in the text gets caught in, see, you are still responsible to make right, good decisions. Let's just say it like this. Uh, say, the, say the right decisions. I guess we could. In areas of morality and in areas of wisdom, the devil wants you to confuse the two of those. But there's something else that, that trumps all of these things and can make a decision that might not be the, the, maybe the best decision. It can make it still work out because God's anointing comes upon that. How many people know that it's the anointing of heaven that breaks the yoke? That's what the Bible says. It's the anointing. Some people like, if I believe in Jesus, I get to go to heaven and my sins are forgiven and the devil can't get a hold of me. No, believing in Jesus, yeah, you have to believe in Jesus, but it's not like your belief does anything. Jesus did. He beat the devil in the fight. You remember like having to disarm principalities and powers. Your belief does not disarm principalities and powers. Jesus did. It's the anointing on the life of Jesus and the Holy Ghost that sets people free. It is the power of heaven, not the power of your belief that does that. Now, if you don't believe and you're not on side with heaven, you don't get the anointing, right? And so I'm going to show you today how every decision that you make can be under the anointing of God, but you have to start thinking differently about it. Um, I got caught in the King Saul trap of thinking of, of right and wrong and evaluating all the wrong things one time. I was working in my dad's church. Do you want to hear about some mistakes that I made? I was going to be like, uh, it wasn't me. It was a pastor's kid named Rory. Who was an idiot. <laughs> my, um, my dad's my pastor. and uh, My dad was my pastor and I served him in his church. I was the worship leader. And... Um, and one time I, I had some Christian friends in the area, in the small town that we used to live in. And we used to get together and have, uh, and have Bible studies, I think, on Tuesday nights. And we're having a great time. And then one of us, because we were musical, we thought, well, why don't we get all the kids in town together and, and gather at one of the churches and do like a huge worship youth event. And we did. And it was powerful. There were two or three hundred kids there. And, and we were playing, what was that band called? Uh, Delirious, I think, right? I think that was kind of the band at the time. And, and uh, we were playing all these great worship songs and kind of new vibrant songs. And, and a lot of the kids grew up in, in kind of older uh, churches. We always say like, hey, if you connect uh, in a traditional setting, this is not your church. Because we don't do anything long enough to be traditional. But, um, but some people do, and that's great. Um, and so we came back. We had this amazing time. And then I told my dad, because we had to rent all this equipment. I'm like, dad, can we just take our church equipment? Because we had the best uh, church equipment in town. And um, how many people know that you can have a great church and crappy music? <laughs> like, it's not like the music, the hymns, and there's, there's nothing. The words are great and honoring to Jesus, but the sound mix can be terrible sometimes. And they didn't even, most of the churches in town, I mean, they were so kind of dated in their musical outlook that they didn't even need speakers because it was going <laughs> to. If you're at home right now, you're missing the subwoofers, and that's what your problem is. Because that's where the Holy Ghost is. 
when we override, override and you can't even hear yourself sing because it's terrible when you sing and we all know it and heaven cringes until the subwoofers come on and then we're good. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. No, there's this total involvement that we're going for, you know, and I, am I making fun of church culture that refuses to change? Yes, I am. It's very important that your neighbors don't walk in and be like, what is that? Um, it's very important if you care about reaching your neighbors and we do. And so, so I told my dad like, Hey, can we take our church equipment? That was a long rabbit trail. Can we take our church equipment? And my dad looks at me like I would look at you if you asked to borrow all of this for a birthday party. And I would be like, uh, probably not. It's complicated. All the wires are in walls and stuff. And uh, my dad said, you can take your stuff, but why don't you just rent stuff? Because, and then he tried to give me some advice that it wasn't advice. It was actually direction from the Holy ghost, but I didn't recognize it as such. And you're going to hear my response to it, which was not good. He said to me, son, this is not going to go the way that you think it's going to go. It's not, it's not going to move in the direction that you want it to move because you want to move in the Holy spirit. But he knew something about that town that we were in that churches can be very political and they can be very inward focused and they can be very, if you didn't grow up in church community, you're like, what churches? I'm like, yeah, I got stories. I'm going to write a book someday and it's going to be incredible. And it's one of the reasons why venue looks the way that it is and is not political in any fashion. We're trying to be kingdom oriented, which is extremely different than being this, you know, gathering people on your team and, you know, getting upset and dra drama about everything. And I didn't know this at the time. And I'm like, but dad, you're standing against, oh, this is what I said, the Holy spirit and what he's trying to do in the city and the town. Why are you standing? Yeah, like I said that, because I'm so smart, right? Because I got like a monopoly on the Holy Ghost. My dad's looking at me like, you idiot. That's what he was thinking. It's like, just what? He's like, I'm just trying to tell you, it's not going to go the way you want it to, because you want to move in the Holy Spirit, but they're going to dig their heels in. Why? Because my dad had experience there. And years later, I can say I have experience, and I know that's exactly what I would tell a young worshiper. I'd be like, I know the way you want it to go. It's not going to go that way. I'm just warning you so that you don't get destroyed and then feel like the Holy Spirit changed his mind about something. And I gave him this self-righteous lecture. And I got to say, you know, that's the last time I was that pain in the neck to my spiritual authority. Because, see, Saul, King Saul has a lesson that he could have learned that he never learned. And I think my failure that day and your failure this week or maybe your failure today is to avoid tomorrow's trap because there's a lesson in it for you. And... Um, Sometimes we try to avoid failure. I don't think, I think God kind of exposes us in failure so that, you know, at least there was a problem and there was definitely a heart problem going on. Cause I, I got caught in the right and wrong trap. Cause here's my thinking at the time. Wouldn't the Holy spirit want to reach all these kids? Well, who's going to say no to that? The Holy spirit wouldn't say no to that, but the Holy spirit is also not confused. And, and sometimes my, my earpiece is hooked up to a Bluetooth that I think is the Holy Ghost, but it's not because the Holy Spirit, ready, speaks through whomever the Holy Spirit speaks through. And he doesn't do it the way you want it. He does because God has this irritating thing where he thinks he's God. And he thinks you're not. The Holy Ghost wants control of your Bluetooth settings. And if you can learn to swap Bluetooth settings and let heaven do it for you, you will never miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's one time in the Bible that the Holy Spirit spoke to a prophet who was getting off of track through a donkey. And if you don't like my sermons, may the Lord replace me with a donkey and teach y'all a lesson. He does. He speaks through a donkey because the prophet's ears are, are getting close to the Holy Ghost. And God sends an angel to judge the prophet because he starts going against the house of Israel. And the donkey starts like steering him out of the way. And then he starts beating the donkey. And the donkey finds like, what are you doing, man? 
Like, that's a donkey I would own. If I had a talking donkey, oh my goodness, my life would be amazing. My life is amazing. It would be even more amazing. Lord, a talking donkey, that's all I need. Just one talking donkey. So be glad that I'm not a talking donkey, I guess. Um, but how do we incorporate the will and ways of God into every decision? See, I used to think that God would speak to me directly about everything all the time. And so I would pray, like, because I was the worship leader at church, right? So I would pray about every song, and I'd be like, Lord, Holy Ghost, is it this song? There's nothing really wrong with that, but that's about how spiritual I was. Holy Ghost, is it? Oh, yeah, I'm feeling it. And I would get the song list together, and then pastor would come in. My dad would come in on Sunday morning and mess my whole day up. And he'd be like, hey, can we sing? I feel like we need to sing this song. Can you replace one of the songs and put this song in there? And I'd be like, but the Holy Spirit has spoken. And my dad is like, yes, he's speaking right now. He's speaking through me because I'm the pastor. And there's not two visions to this church. There's one vision and more than one vision is called division. And the Holy Spirit is not confused. Maybe he wanted that song on the list now, but now he wants a different one. And I would mess my day up and then wouldn't you know the worship would be anointed and that song would be the song that takes off. And then I would be angry at the Holy Spirit a little bit being like, what happened, man? <laughs> you tricked me. Because well, he had to show me that he speaks through whom he speaks through. And I didn't understand. See, um, venue is a results-oriented church, which means if these chairs set up in this fashion don't work, we'll change them. And if it becomes difficult to sign your kids in, why don't we change it so that it becomes easy to sign your kids in so that we can take the awkward out of everything until you hit the sermon, which is going to be awkward. Because the gospel itself is extremely awkward. It's like, hey, your path is going down to death. This path leads to life. There are a few who find it, so let's find it. You know, so the gospel itself is very awkward. We try to take the awkward out of, okay, so we're trying to use wisdom in these decisions and evaluate and do all of that. But there is one thing that trumps everything else. There is one that, thing that we will trade everything for, and that is when the Holy Ghost speaks, he gets everything that he wants every single time. Because if we, if we, if we will not, because here's the difference. You can, you can live a life according to what you think is right and wrong. And you're the one who decides and you're the one who it's right decision, wrong decision. It, listen, that has nothing to do with how you follow Jesus. You ready? This is what has to trump that every single time. And then these decisions will be better. Ready? It's not right and wrong. It's obedience and disobedience. See what the devil did. He got Adam and Eve from being obedient in the garden to thinking right and wrong. And he tricked them because all of a sudden the apple looked pretty good. And all of a sudden to Adam, Eve looked pretty good holding the apple. Do we know why? Have we read the Bible? <laughs> slow. You guys are slow, man. The other service. No, <laughs> I didn't say that in the other service. He tricked us into thinking of right and wrong when that has nothing to do with anything. See, I can be obedient and make a decision because you'll never have all the information to make a decision for your teenager. You don't know everything that's going on inside of their lives and inside of their hearts. You don't know what's going on in your husband's heart. And listen, you can make a decision in, in everyday life, but if I have an obedient spirit and I'm open and I'm open to the Bluetooth of the Holy Ghost and I'm being obedient, I can make a decision that's not the best decision and God can breathe on it and st still bring it because when I obey, the results belong to God. And God can make anything. You're like, well, God would never tell you to do a bad plan. Hey, Moses, take the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And like millions of people are like, that's a bad plan. Because if Kim came up with that and be like, hey, guys, I have an idea. Let's go. Let's walk through the sea because Pharaoh's not going to find us in there. True. 
But when God breathes on it, God can open any seat. God can open any way. And if God wants you to do this with your kid and you're hooked up to the right Bluetooth, it'll work out. See, obedience is our problem and the results become God's problem. And you've got to stop thinking in terms of, of right and wrong because the devil can trap you in there. If you think, no, this decision that I face today at work, it's not a right and wrong decision. I mean, you'll have lots of things to evaluate. Don't get me wrong. But I have to have an obedient spirit about it. And, and most decisions that I make are obedience versus disobedience. And when I get that right, then I'm like, wait, what would, be the, what would an obedient son of God do right now? What would an obedient person do at work? What would an obedient person do in a family? What would an obedient person do in a church? What would an obedient person, because the last thing I want is a team lead leading you through fleshly means. Because all, all they'll be able to get to is a fleshly result. And you'll have all the fleshly consequences. You know what bypasses all of that? The spirit. And so I want a team lead who's submitted. Who's like, when I say, hey, I feel like the Holy Ghost wants us to change the last song, which we did. And you'll see why when we sing it. Because I want a team lead who's like, yeah, let's do that. I talked to two team leads before the service. I'm like, hey, we need to do this thing. I feel like the Holy Ghost, there's something at, we need to do this. And they're like, let's do it. The last thing I want is a disobedient team lead who's now leading people into the last thing you want to be is a disobedient dad or disobedient mom trying to lead kids with a disobedient spirit and try to make right decisions. Because you can be right and wrong with a disobedient spirit. Your kid can, your kid can do what you tell them to do with a bad attitude, which is disobedience. And you're afraid to confront it like... Saul's parents were afraid to confront in him because he lived an entire life of bad attitudes. And that's how you know. Oh, you just wait. It's going to be good. Now, we have to teach our children obedience over evaluation. One has to trump the other every single time. You know why it's important? Because when they walk out onto the road and they have to evaluate when dad yells, get off the road. And they have to evaluate if the truck is actually coming. Obedience keeps you alive long enough to have something to evaluate. And some, sometimes I, I, because we're all spiritual children in the sight of God, King David is like, I'm a sheep God. He never mistake. See, Saul started thinking of, of himself as a king. But even when David was a king and he was greater than Saul by far, he was like, the Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I am a sheep. And he's like, if the, if the shepherd says, go here, then I go there. That's how the world works. That's how I work, right? And if heaven thinks like that, then heaven also blesses what they, heaven commands. And so... Your child is out on the street and sometimes spiritual children are spiritual sheep. And I'm like yelling, run, get off the street. And you're looking and I'm like, that doesn't look like a truck. I feel like that's a wrap. No, it's a truck. <laughs> Obedience keeps you alive long enough to have something to evaluate. Get that right in your children. My dad taught me to obey first. It's the best thing that I ever learned to obey first. You, oh, there's lots of time to learn how to evaluate things, but we were never allowed to evaluate when obedience it was a matter of obedience. So you can give that gift to your kids and they won't get a new job every month. Because they're arguing about how to do everything all the time. And they think they're right about everything. I used to say to some of the guys at work, I'm like, yeah, they complain because the, the boss would be like, hey, do, it, do this thing. And then they'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't think that's a good decision. I'm like, did you want a paycheck? Because I do. I don't care if we use yellow morets or I was an electrician or blue morets. I don't. What does it matter to me? I want to. Well, this is the way that God gets breathes on your life. Now. Let me set up this narrative here because King Saul is told by the prophet Samuel who anointed him as king in the first place. King Saul is given a military and a political directive and King Saul is a military and political head of the state and Samuel the prophet gives him a directive in what Saul would think are his areas, which is probably hard on Saul's ego. Um, there's a lot I could say about what happens when church and state get separated because then the state eventually wants to become the church. 
And when you won't take, when the state won't take its directives from heaven through whomever God sends, then the nation starts getting off of track. And Saul starts getting off of track right now. And uh, Samuel gives him a directive. He says, God says, wipe out Amalek. It was a nation. Wipe, wipe them out completely. He says, utterly. And he says the word utterly seven times just to make sure that Saul got it. Seven, clean your room. Clean your dang room. Clean your room. Clean it all. Utterly clean it. So there could be no mistaking, utterly, utterly, utterly. Now this to you seems hard because you're Canadians and your life is very soft. But back then Amalek was a nasty nation. And if they had a sword and they, you had something they wanted, including everything about you, they could take it whenever they wanted. And that's what they would do. Now, you don't understand the world because it's, our nation was founded on the principles of heaven. So that affords you protection and it protects innocent people. Well, back then there was no protection whatsoever. Might made right. And Amalek definitely thought that they were right and could do whatever they wanted. What they did when Israel came out of the promised land, they're a band of slaves, they're tired. They've just been through the Red Sea. I mean, they've, they are under it. They've had the most stressful, they're tired. And Amalek doesn't attack them from the front. They go around behind them, sneaking around like Loki. <laughs> sneaking around like I always say, Chad's like, I'm Thor. And I'm like, you're Loki. Because you're sneaky. Ch He's totally not. He's more like Thor. Whatever, I'm Tony Stark. And, and Loki comes and sneaks in around behind. And he gets in, he attacks the women and kids. And he attacks the old people and he attacks the poor. And, and Amalek gets in there and they start going after the innocents because they were easy targets. And God is like, that's it, that's enough. I'm gonna, I have to take this evil out of the earth because the innocents matter. And sometimes, sometimes God's judgment doesn't make sense to you, but if God doesn't judge, then he's not just. And if he's not just, then he's not love. Because love also has consequences. Come on. And he's like, if you decide to do this, that's what's going to happen. And they did it. Now he still gave them 400 years. 400 years have passed. And he tells Samuel the prophet, go tell Saul it's time. They had 400 years and they wouldn't repent. And they're worse than they ever were. It's time. It's time that they were wiped off the earth because I have to protect the innocents. 1 Samuel 15, the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry I ever made Saul king. Saul goes out and has a great victory over Amalek, but he doesn't do everything that God told him to. He says, Saul has not been loyal to me. The Lord says to Samuel, he's refused to obey my command. Saul was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. He's making intercession like you do for your neighbors. Like, oh God, can we not, can this not be averted? But God's like, Saul has finally stepped over the line. See, Today's failure is so you can avoid this trap that Saul finally fell into. Because Saul did not have a habit that I'm going to show you at the end of the sermon that you can have today that will avoid what happens. And one day he loses the kingdom. And one day Israel's king becomes unanointed and Israel pays for it. It says, early the next morning Samuel went to find Saul. The one who appointed him must now correct him. Saul told him, uh, someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. That's when you know that you have a God complex. When something is trying to set up a monument to yourself in your family or to yourself or, or well, church, man, we got to watch at venue that we are not setting up a monument to venue church. Who cares about venue church? This is about the Lord. We're just one church of, we're just one part of the body. Of, we're just glad we can serve the Lord. We set up his throne. That's all that we do. And then we just get out of the way if we can. Someone told him he, he went to set this monument up to himself. You see now Saul's starting to think a lot of himself. David never did that. Now, David made some huge errors, but the Bible still says that David was a man after God's own heart because he always saw himself as a sheep. 
Saul started seeing himself as a king in the Lord's sight, but he wasn't. He was still a sheep. Samuel finally found him. Like, you know you're not doing well when your small group leader got to come find you. Like, you know, you know you're not doing well. Saul greeted him cheerfully. He had no idea. And he says this, may the Lord bless you. And Samuel must be thinking, I'm the prophet. I'm the one who gives the blessings. What are you talking about? Like, may the Lord bless you in this pretentious, let me convey the blessing of the Lord upon you. And Samuel's like, I blessed you. That's why you're king. This is how this works. It doesn't work this way. May the Lord bless me. Now you're the, now you're the prophet. It's like, no, stay in your lane, man. Like he says, I've carried out the Lord's command. Like a hundred percent from this brain, which was made out of dust. I'm a hundred percent sure that I've carried out the Lord's command. He might've done 95% of it, but listen, that 5% still makes a disobedience. When you train your children, it's 100% obedience. It's not 95% because it's still called disobedience. Because disobedience, if they, did, if they pick up their stuff on the floor, their attitude still got to be good about it because it's still disobedience. Come on, parents. It's, we still got to go that far. We got to go 100% in. Then what's the bleeding of the sheep and goats and the lowing of the cattle, Samuel demanded. Like, hey, all this stuff was supposed to go away and you kept it? The Lord's judgment was on this. It's tainted. It's not supposed to belong to you. You're not supposed to love when the Lord judges somebody else because you're supposed to profit. It's like, no, no, no. This was holy to, this was, no. He says, what's all the sound of this? It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep. Right, who's the commander of the army? He says later, I was afraid of what the people thought. Sometimes you're afraid of what people think. You gotta be afraid of what the Lord thinks, not afraid about anything else. He said, but they were going to sacrifice. He's just making this up as he goes, I think. This is all Judge Judy. Like, yeah, you're making this up as you go. But they're uh, totally going to sacrifice these animals, right? That sounds good. We've destroyed everything else. Samuel said to Saul, stop. Now, this is where to... See, Saul has... His, his earpiece is hooked up to a Bluetooth that he thinks is God. And it's telling him, it's informing him what to do in this scenario. And God said, go and wipe all of this out. And he's like, but then in, as the situation unfolds, he starts like kind of making these little decisions. And then that decision led to that one. And then we'd save this and maybe we should save the sacrifice. And it seems wasteful. And he starts talking to him. He's listening to something. Something is informing him. Something informs you at work what to do next. And something informs you when you're arguing with your spouse. And it might be hard for you to imagine, but it ain't the Holy Ghost most of the time. He's listening to this, and Samuel has to try to get him now connected to the right Bluetooth. But to do that, you have to, ready? You have to forget the other device. You got to forget the device that you're listening to, which might be your own brain, which might be you're afraid of what somebody thinks, which might be you're taking your, ready? You're taking your cues from the news. You're taking your cues from the government. You're taking your cues from Facebook. You're taking your cues from anything that is not the Lord. And you need to forget the device so that you can pair. You can't pair two at once. You've got to forget the one device so you can pair to the better device. And, uh, and Samuel says to Saul, you ready? Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. But the word stop can be translated shut up. <laughs> like shut it. Be quiet. Sometimes, now I'm telling you, sometimes I'm like, stop talking. Just stop talking. Forget the device. Unpair it. Because now your voice is what you're hearing in your own head. 
And what you say you think is true because it's in your own head. You're listening to your own voice in your own head. And then you say something and you think it's real. And you just keep saying it. And then you think that's real. And he's like, stop talking. And Saul says, what did he tell you? See, this is where you and I come into this. See, I was trying to control the relationship. Did I tell that whole story? Did I really? Thank you. My notes got shifted 15 times this morning and we had other stuff going on. See, Saul is now trying to control the voice of the prophet. He's trying to control that relationship. And I tried to control the relationship with my pastor, but that's God is not confused. And I was getting confused. And Saul opens his mouth when he shouldn't have opened his mouth because he never learned the habit that you're going to learn today. About God speaks through whom he speaks to him. When he speaks, you need to be quiet and listen because that's our job. As if the prophet needed his permission to speak. What permission granted, Samuel? Please talk to me. And Samuel's like, I don't need your permission. The permission that you have to speak came through the prophet, through me, because God wanted it that way. Why don't you want it that way? You'll start leading this nation down the wrong path. Samuel told him, I don't like the way this translation reads it. It should have been, other translations get it a little bit more accurate, I think. He says, when you were still small in your own eyes, were you not anointed king of Israel? You just beat Amalek. You did 95% of the work. You had a great victory over them. Were you not, did this come from anything but the anointing of God on your life? Because the word of God says the anointing breaks the yoke. And when you were small in your own eyes, was God not big? And were you not anointed king under God? And did God not do the heavy lifting here? But now you're the king. Now you're the king. Now you're a big deal in the sight of God. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. And you're like, well, that sounds harsh. And I'm going to explain to you what you don't know and what Saul doesn't know and what you'll never know about your kids. Because you don't see what happens 20 years later. You don't see what happens 200 years later. God is operating on a plan that is so much greater than anything. And when he says something, you just need to obey it. Because what he's saying to Saul right now, what he's saying to Saul is like, you need to put a bullet in Hitler before he gets turned loose. I'll show you. I'll show you. He says, why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what, the, do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey. I carried out the mission. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. But you were so utterly seven times. You were supposed to take him. He was the worst of the bunch. This is, this is, you ready? Then he says, then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plundered a sacrifice to the Lord your God. Remember, he just made this up. But now he believes it. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices, ready to ban you church? Or your obedience to his voice? You tell me what matters the most. You come to church and you, and you give and you sing and you, well, yeah, that's important. But you know what's more important? Obeying. That's the whole point of Christianity is obeying so that your life can come under the covering and anointing of the obedient one, Christ. Who can save your soul? Who can redeem your life? Who can redeem your marriage? Who can redeem your finances? Who can redeem your neighbors? Listen, Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. He's like, you don't trade church people. You don't trade sacrifice for obedience. You do both. But obedi obedience trumps everything. Sacrifice is the right thing to do, but what trumps that is obedience and then do what's right, but in the spirit of obedience, because then the Holy Ghost breathes on it. 
Then he says this, powerful words, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Rebellion, that's when you stop your ears to the voice of the Bluetooth called the Holy Ghost through whomever he speaks. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king and the anointing lifts off of Saul's life and in one day he loses the kingdom. One day. Rebellion is as as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Those things are like what happens when God is trying to speak and we block our ears or we put earplugs in. We just don't want to hear it. Or when we're hooked up to another Bluetooth and God is speaking. God is always a speaking God, but sometimes you're not hearing. Because your Bluetooth is not hooked up to the voice that God sends you in that moment. Now, if God can speak through a donkey, God can speak through anything. And in Venue Church, we will train you how he speaks so that you don't get confused. And so, you know, in this moment, he's going to speak through this person because that's how God decides these things. That's how a kingdom works. Obedience means to hear, to yield, to obey. Submission means to hearken and incline your ear to. It all has to do with your ears. With that Bluetooth setting. Can I just end the sermon by telling you what Amalek, he said, well, I did get everybody. I did, but I I spared the king. And then I got them all. Well, here's the trouble is that an Amalekite was there on the day that Saul died and brought Saul's personal effects to David and said, hey, I just killed King Saul. I guess he didn't get them all. That thing that you won't take care of in your home and in your heart right now? Oh yeah, it comes back around. God wants you to deal with it. He wants you to put a bullet in Hitler, put a bullet in sin. Yeah, there was an Amalekite there. It says Saul fell on his own sword, but there was an Amalekite nearby. David had to fight battles with thousands of Amalekites. They were still plaguing the nation. They were still hurting the innocents. Because Saul never dealt with them all. Do you remember the story of Mordecai and Esther in the Bible? When Haman, a man named Haman, plans a holocaust to wipe out all the Jewish people in the known world at the time. In one day, Haman was a descendant of King Agag. I guess he didn't get them all. See, God has... You know what you need to do today is something that, that Saul never did. Is he, he, he listened to sermons, but he never got this right. You know what he could have done this whole time? He could have set up a template where he's like, hey, before the battle, could somebody go and, and ask Samuel the prophet if he could come? Could somebody go and get my small group leader over here before I go and do this thing? I want to make a decision about business or I'm going to buy a different house. Can somebody go and t- look, let's go talk to, let's go. Can we ask the prayer team for a little bit of help? I just want some, how do you think I lead the church, everybody? You think I just make random decisions that seem right to me? No, I read through the, the prayer team update email and I'm like, that's what they're praying about. That's what the Holy, okay. I talked to Pastor Nate, who's my pastor and one of my pastors yesterday, and Pastor Peter. I talked to Pastor Nate. He said, you need to read this book. Guess what I'm reading? That book. Out of the Cave by Pastor Chris Hodges. Y'all need to listen to that too. He's talking about spiritual depression. He's talking about depression. Powerful book. And uh, Saul could have been like, hey, can somebody go get Samuel before this battle starts? Can somebody go get Samuel in the battle? Because I know how I am and I know I'm going to start hearing things and saying things and why don't I just listen to the voice of the Lord and just make sure that I'm on the right track this whole time. And if you'll do that, then God will take even bad decisions that you make about going through the Red Sea. God will still breathe obedience and breathe anointing and breathe power on it. And it'll still work out for your benefit and still work out for your good.